Welcome, everybody. everybody. This, this is, is Bite the, the Ropes. Ropes. I'm your host, Freckles. And I'm your co-host, Conley. As you guys all know by now, we start our podcast with our bite slash drink of the week. My bite of the week, I actually have this today, which is I love, I'm in the mood for a baked ZD and a cherry Coke. And my bite of the week is tuna tostada and Coke Zero. Okay, very nice, very nice. So what is our topic going to be today? Well, today we're going to be talking about pickup play. Uh, that's a very interesting topic, a little a little on the heavy side. Um, it's controversial here and there, but we're, we are going to be discussing pickup play as well as negotiation horror stories. Okay, I agree. I think it is a little bit controversial, but you know, that's kind of our thing. So I want to ask you, Connolly, what is your definition of pickup play and what does it kind of look like to you? Well, pickup play to me looks like, well, let's say you're at a party. Let's say you're at a play party mm-hmm. or at an event where there's open play and you don't have a partner. You know, you, you come alone or, or, or you come with friends, but you're, you know, you don't really play with those particular friends. And you're kind of browsing the room, um, sizing people up. And you see someone that looks interesting. Um, you, you, they might be playing with someone else. Or they might just have really cool toys. And mm-hmm. you decide that you'd like to play with them right there on the spot without really knowing them too well. Okay, so kind of like stranger danger, but not too much danger, but still stranger kind of thing here. Basically, you're, you're, you're playing with someone who you don't really know. You might This might be the first time you're seeing them. And no prior negotiations. You know, it's kind of like going on a whim. It's like, hey, I want to play with you. Yeah, it's like having a one-night stand, but in Kingland. Got it. Basically. Okay. Very nice. So I just want to go ahead and say that um, I have a relationship right now, a steady relationship. It started mm-hmm. out with pick-up play. You know, it, it, you know at, same as when, you know, people have like one-night stands that actually do turn into a lot more afterwards. Um, my mm-hmm. relationship started out with just with pickup play, and what I did was I was watching him. Um, I was watching him, and and I was seeing his. You know, he had brought some toys, and he was showing me some toys, and we were just talking to each other. And you know, we, you know, he asked me. He's like, "Oh, well, how how would you like to experience some sensation play?" And he had some knives with him, and we we spoke, and you know, I told him please don't cut me. I, I'm not comfortable with any kind of cutting. I know who would have thought I'm not comfortable with cutting, <laughs> with cutting. Please don't cut me. Um, uh, you know, please don't, um, you know, choke me. Don't do, you know, I, I, I kind of went ahead and told him, you know, we, we kind of negotiated a, a little, mm-hmm. um, but then we just said, you know, we just settled on, on the idea that we were just going to do some knife play. We were just going to do some sensation play and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Um, we did some sensation play with knives. Um, you know, I, I gave him a kiss afterwards. You know, I asked him if I could kiss him. And, you know, we went home. We both went home and, and we we kept in touch and all that. And we set up some more play sessions. And, you know, it kind of all went from there. Um, but I, I definitely believe that a pickup play session can turn into a lot more. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to of course you can have pickup play and you can do it responsibly and you know and somewhat safely uh i would say you know depending on what it is that you're looking to do mm-hmm. right 
I fully agree. Like for me, like my first events were not any type of play scenario. I went to a lot of munches first. So I kind of had a, a toe dipped into the scene a tiny, tiny bit before I did any play. However, I do remember my first um, scene was not a pickup play scene, but my first ever pickup play scene um, was very interesting. You know, I kind of know that I don't like stingy. And so I said, hey, I'd much prefer, you know, something thuddy. If you can kind of show me what you're using first before we actually play. So I kind of can be mentally prepared. I'm big on, I guess, like the surprise of play is not knowing what you're being hit with. But at least when I know, I want to know the options that it can lead from. Obviously, right. I am not in a long-term relationship. And so that didn't really lead anywhere. But it can kind of, you can grow as a submissive or a bottom or a top Um the more pick up play you do, kind of picking up your style. Definitely. And Freckles, would you say that something like rope, for example, is something you do, you know, in regards to pick up play, or would it be something more like impact or, you know, something along those lines? Like, like, would you say that there are, that pick up play becomes more dangerous depending on what you're looking to do specifically? 110%. Um, for rope wise, I could do pickup play if I know the person, you know, because also pickup play does not mean that it's a complete stranger who you don't know. You know, it could be that it could be someone who you know, but you're just picking up play in the moment. You know, nothing was planned, but I know this person for many years. Let's play. You know, that could still be considered pickup play. And so I will not do rope with someone who I don't personally know and who I have not seen tie before, just because the responsibility is so high with rope. And you kind of can't see any negative connotations with rope play, really, besides just the inner feelings if you're inexperienced. Exactly. I, I agree completely. And for those of you who don't know, um, Freckles is a is an experienced rope bottom. Rope. He's a rope bunny, I like to call, you know, and um, he does quite a bit of rope. But I always, you know, and I'm, I dabble in rope here and there as well. Um, but I always say that rope is just one of those things, you know, so far as edge play goes, it's it's definitely one of the more dangerous activities you can do. So in terms of pickup play, I, I, I would not do pickup play for rope. That would just be me. Mm -hmm. Like it's out of my risk profile. I see it as being something that like carries an enormous amount of responsibility. You have to really watch. Uh, you had to have seen, like you mentioned, you had to have seen the person tie already and, you know, kind of studied them and, and, and gotten their references. And, and you, you have to have like more of an established relationship with somebody before doing rope. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're doing just, you know, especially if you're doing suspension, you know, I mean, or a partial mm -hmm. suspension. That to me is just, you know, extremely, extremely high risk. Um, right. Mm -hmm. But if it's, you know, but if it's something like, let's say, like a little harness or, or just, you know, something very something very basic something very kind of minor i mean i don't i don't really see the danger in it well i i mean it could be dangerous it could very well be dangerous um but you know it, it the risk level is like lower with something like let's say just like a little chest harness you know sometimes right. people like little things like little pentagrams or or you know like they, they like to use maybe like a little bit of uv rope and and you know light it up and and all that and and you know maybe use a little bit of wax or something i mean i i don't i don't see that as being like very high risk but um right right yeah. you know as as we both know we are two experienced kinkters and there's risk in everything you do um and i agree with you like for me like rope i'm more open to bottoming for rope 
if it's something super simple, no suspension base, someone wants to practice, you know, because I know how it feels to be an experienced rope bottom, so I know what I'm getting myself into. And I also know that's kind of how people learn. If they asked me to do suspensions, I would say no, because I would have to know them first and how they work, um, how their rope works. Right, exactly. Or let's say like you're taking a class and you come and you're you're unpartnered and you, you know, you kind of like scan the room and there's someone else who doesn't have a partner and like they'd say like, oh, yeah, let's practice together. I mean, I, I don't really see the harm in that. But um, but yeah, like I said, <laughs> suspension, partial suspension, that's a whole different animal. Um, but you can't, you can definitely do pick a play at a party or, or at a workshop where there's like an open play. Like, you know, sometimes there'll be like a workshop, a class or something. And then afterwards they'll open the room to like, to, for playtime. I think really my recommendation in regards to doing that is to talk to, well, you're obviously going to talk to the person and you're going to let them know, oh, I want an impact scene, but dot 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 you're going to negotiate with them you're still going to negotiate with them on the spot you know you're not going to just dive right into it um i think it's important for you to talk to that person first and then just start off with something very light and stick to something light like i don't think it's i don't think pickup play should be done for heavy scenes heavier scenes um i think you should really stick to something light and see where it goes from there and then maybe if you guys like you know if you have a good a good scene and you're, you know, you, you decide you want to get to know each other better. You guys can kind of just build up from there. But I definitely believe that you should keep it. Um, you should keep the scene light. Yes. I also want to do, I also want to say that even if someone, so there's a lot of things on titles, you know, let's say someone is a master um, or a goddess and they, you know, oh, I'm master so-and-so oh, I'm goddess so-and-so titles do not mean experience. And someone can title themselves whatever they wish, but someone's, you know, for example, Master Greg, you know, Master so-and-so. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be someone who does not necessarily experienced just with the title. So it's important to really think about that. Even if someone says they're a master, they're a dominant, does not necessarily mean experience and they are experienced in what they're doing. I'm definitely glad that you mentioned that because that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I was having a really good conversation with a friend earlier um in regards to you know being you know instruction like 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 let's say someone's an instructor uh, mm-hmm. of something you know and then let's say let like they you know they get people coming to coming to them you know saying like oh well i want to be tied up i want to be suspended or i want to be set on fire or something like that you know that doesn't necessarily just because they're an instructor doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they're doing things responsibly um, because I get I get a lot of people, I find a lot of people on FetLife in particular, and this kind of comes comes, you know, comes onto like the 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 local community, the national community, the international community and all that, because obviously FetLife is a social networking site. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get like a lot of people who who are instructors who are, you know, doing things that I I believe are just not responsible at all, like especially for things like medical play. Like mm-hmm. I'll read all the time, like people doing things and like, like, like that are just not like, you shouldn't be doing this at all. Like, this is not safe. This is not sanitary. So a lot of the times you have to, you know, it, it's more complicated because you do have to, you know, the, the responsible thing, as many people would say would be, well, you have to vet them. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, sometimes like it's harder to vet and, and it's harder to like, 
you know, really get to know like the instructors and like, you know, really take them for, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's much more complicated. I understand that it's much more complicated than that. Yes. You know, going in with the open mind, but also being aware of that risky things can happen. Um, and, you know, the title does not mean experience. And, you know, it's just because you've been training for 20 years doesn't mean that something can't happen. Exactly. Exactly. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but it, it all really comes down to negotiating, to just being good at negotiating. I mean, I think you can maybe create a little negotiation cheat sheet for yourself, um, depending on what you like to do. Um, like I said, like for me personally, my, in my risk profile, um, in regards to pick a play, uh, fire and rope are out of, or, you know, are, are just not in that equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for if it's something like impact or sensation play, like I would create a little cheat sheet just for negotiations, just to be like, hey, this is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm not willing to do. Um, this is how far I want to take it. And, you know, it's up to mm-hmm. you to decide whether you want to take it or leave it. And this is my safe word. Always play with this. I always play with a safe word. That's just me. You know, mm-hmm. even if I don't intend on using it, you know, either way, I always play with a safe word. Um, use the color wheel, yellow, red, mm-hmm. green, so on and so on. So I think that'd be a good idea to do to create like little cheat sheets for yourself, um, you know, for, for pickup play. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like prime example I can give is I remember being maybe this is like my third month or fourth month in the scene and I was negotiating. And one thing that really stuck out to me, um, this dominant said, you know, do not assume anything when it comes to negotiations. Okay. So don't assume um, because I don't like ball tapping or being having my ball taps, you know, don't assume that that is going to be off limits because I don't assume, sorry, don't assume that your Dom is on the same page. If you don't say something, right. So even if it is like, I do not want to be exposed to STDs. I do not want to be exposed to, um, you know, P I do not want to be exposed to something that would seem completely out of the ordinary, for a scene, for common people, I would say it's always important to go the extra mile when it comes to negotiating because you aren't sure if something might happen if if you don't say it. So right, just exactly. Checking off all your bases. Right, exactly. And I also don't believe in like, well, and I've learned the hard way that you do not negotiate during a scene. Mm-hmm. Like while you're in the you know, in the heat of the, in the heat of things, like you don't negotiate, you don't like go like, Oh, well, can I put my fingers in you? Like right after, right after an impact, you know, like during an impact scene or something like that. Like, I, like I've learned that the hard way because I've done that before. Well, I've been on the receiving end of, of, of situations like those. And mm-hmm. afterwards I felt like, wow, I, if I hadn't done this, you know, if I hadn't like, you know, like set, you know, uh, you know, like I wouldn't feel this way right now. So I don't, I don't, I mean, that's just me personally. Um, you know, other people have different opinions on, on that. Other people have had different experiences, but I don't believe that it's a good idea to negotiate during a scene. You have to negotiate always like pre-scene and then, you know, everything right. else is on you. You know, you have to take on as a bottom, as as somebody who who is, as a bottom, you know, you have, you take on that responsibility. You, you have to educate yourself and you have to know, you know, how to negotiate and how to speak up and how to be vocal and, 
to do that before you engage in play. I think, and as a top, you also need to be responsible enough to, you know, to enlighten, enlighten the bottom, you know, in that regard, you know, if they're not, if they're new or if like, they're not sure what to do, you say, Hey, I'm not going to negotiate with you during the scene. We're, we have to talk about this before we do it. Right. And to add a couple things onto it, it's okay for a Dom to have limits and it's okay for a submissive to have limits. I've heard stories of people who are kind of afraid to say their limits or they think they have too many limits because there might not be desirable or they don't want mm-hmm. to disappoint at the top. Uh-huh. And it's important to completely have limits because that's how you're safe, safe and that's how you actually, you know, enjoy yourself. Like a common just also thing about not um, interjecting in the middle of a scene. It's kind of like if you have sex and then in the middle of sex, the guy takes off his condom. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, did Stealthing, you negotiate yeah. that? It's like, you mm-hmm. discuss that? Or is he just kind of assuming, or, you know, he or she just assuming that that's okay because it's in the heat of the moment? You exactly. know, a lot, of, a lot of brain chemistry happens during a scene. You might be in different headspaces. A submissive will not, might not be able to responsibly respond or give a intelligible response in the middle of a scene because they could be in headspace, a dom could be a dom space. So it's important to really have these discussions with a clear mind. Right. Exactly. I agree completely. And also, I mean, unfortunately, and bottoms are guilty of this as well. Bottoms and submissives are guilty of of taking advantage of doms as well. But I mean, in my experience, well, let me just start off by saying that um, I've been interested in kink since I was a teenager, since, you know, since my late teens, I started doing research. I was very interested in it, but I didn't really have like the the courage, I guess you could say, the drive to engage in it until I was about 26. Oh. Um, and, you know, I had met a dom online and we had started interacting and, you know, he was love bombing me pretty early on. And, you know, I didn't know anything about negotiations because I had just been I had been so focused on the fantasy of BDSM, on the fantasy of kink. You know, I I hadn't bothered to like really look into negotiations, um, to what negotiations were, and he did not negotiate with me. Mm-hmm. So he he got me to do a lot of things that like I wouldn't have like readily done if I had like, if you know if I had not you know if I had bothered to like really do my research. You know, he was like, oh well, you're gonna listen to me. You know, I know I know what's best for you, and it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare, and it was a really it was it was a mistake that I made. You know, I was. I was very insecure at that time. You know, I, I, I really didn't, you know, I really kind of like, like I really took on that. Um, I took a lot on faith <laughs> and um, you know, and I, I, I wish I had like read, you know, read more books. I wish I had, you know, talked to more people. I wish I had engaged more with the local community, which I did end up doing a year afterwards um, but, you know, I needed to recover from that. So I, I definitely believe that as a bottom, um, it's as a bottom, as a submissive, like you you do need to do a lot of research as a top. You need to do a lot of research as well. But um, I think especially, you know, if you're if you're new to the lifestyle, if you're new to BDSM and to kink, um, negotiating is something that is that is an imperative for you to learn. Yes. And another another I guess it's not a horror story, another example of not. I wouldn't say negotiating well, but just lack of communication. I remember back when I was a wee submissive, um, I paid for a session once um, with a group of females. And we didn't really negotiate too much. But what they did was they saw myself. If you haven't 
if you haven't done a BDSM test, you can do a BDSM test. Um, and it, you know, it says, oh, you're into degrading, you're possibly into pet play, being a dominant, submissive, ECT. Um, and they just kind of assumed the scene was going to be off what my 100% were for the session. Right. Like, you know, I had like 100% service and degrading. And so that's what the session was. And okay. it's kind of like, well, you know, we didn't negotiate this just because I'm 100%, you know, into degradation does not mean like that's something I'm in the mood for today or that's what I want the scene to be about. You know, so it's important um, to really have a Dom understand that, but also respect and just communicate. Not Dom, but also just submissive, both sides, submissive and dominant. Yeah, both both can be taken advantage of, both can be kind of, you know, like put in a position where they feel they have to do something in order to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it can be very it can be very um I you know, humiliating and you know, it's very humiliating, um, not in a good way, <laughs> you know, later on to learn like, oh shit, well I, I should have done this, I should have done that. Like I mean, but we make mistakes, you know, we make mistakes in life. You know, these are just life lessons that we learn. And I'm pretty glad that I, I I was determined enough to like to keep on to stay on like in the lifestyle and to do my research and to meet people and all that because I you know I've 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 encountered people who've just like given up. Like they just give up, like they're like, Oh, it's it's not for me, it's not for me or I've had a really bad and toxic relationship, you know, I can't be in another dynamic ever again and, and all that, but I mean, I, I was very determined, you know, personally to, to stay on and to, you know, and, and here I am, I'm, I'm really, you know, I've, you know, everything that I've learned and all the amazing people that I've met, you know, have really helped me. And, and I, I, I get to enjoy some pretty amazing scenes now, um, just because of the fact that I, I stayed on, I, I learned about negotiations, you know, I, I learned about, you know, my limits and, and what I'm willing to do, how far I'm willing to go. And, and it's just mm-hmm. been amazing. Well, it's awesome. You know, like that's kind of the way of the game. Like, you know, it's a, it's a, like a game of life. You know, you make mistakes in life. You make mistakes in the BDSM scene. You make great moves. You know, it, nothing is perfect. And it's if you're really enjoying what you're doing, you know, then keep at it. You know, not every mm-hmm. relationship is going to be a bad one. Not every relationship is going to be a fantastic one. Right, exactly. And I've I've seen I've seen people, but I've seen at the same time I think that also like BDSM is it's not becoming mainstream because like as I've mentioned before, BDSM is often portrayed in a negative light by the mainstream. It's kind of like always been something that people look down on or say, "Oh, you you have to have an issue if you're, you know, 50 shades of gray didn't did did us no favors." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and all that. Um, so I think that like the more BDSM becomes prominent in the mainstream, the more people get like a, the wrong idea of certain things. I think, especially in regards to like the rope community and all that, you know, Instagram is a very popular place for, for people to say like, Oh, to see pictures and be like, Oh, I want to be tied up. I want to be tied up. And they don't even know the first thing about being tied up. They don't know the first thing about rope. They just see a pretty picture and say, Oh, I want to look like that. And I've seen mm-hmm. people do like, I've seen people like just go to events and and like their first event and they'll be like wearing a corset, for example, and they'll be like, oh, I want to be tied up like in the corset. I want to be suspended. And they don't know that that's like, you know, first of all, suspension is dangerous. Second of all, you do not wear a freaking corset while you're being (laughs) suspended or tied up. 
it might look pretty to you, but like it might, you know, the, the visual image might look nice, but like you're setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the more BDSM becomes prominent in the mainstream media, the more important it is for education to be a thing, to be something the more I think like it would be cool if like more more BDSM authors would be interviewed by popular media. You know, and, and and would talk more about like the importance of negotiating, the importance of, of of learning certain things, learning to bottom, learning to top, and all that. Like you know, because I think people get the wrong idea all the time. You know, newbies get the wrong idea all the time and think that this is supposed to be something that just you just you know just just happens just just spontaneously, and it's not. Right. There's a lot of setup that goes into a scene. Right. Like I kind of imagine it kind of like a roller coaster ride. You know, mm-hmm. like okay, like at least I you know, this is also viewing it from a dominant and submissive perspective. I feel like some people might think of like roller coaster as you get on the ride, you have the scene and then it's over and everyone's safe, you know, and you're good to go every single time. Right. There's a lot more steps that is required to have a successful scene a fun scene, but also a safe scene where, you know, but also understanding there's that risk, whatever you do. Exactly. And, you know, I, I know, I know some tops, I know some pretty well-known tops, uh, dominants who, when they started out, they, they kind of felt that whole like imposter syndrome kind of thing. Like they were, they were starting to just gain their confidence, you know, as a top, as a dominant and they were, you know, taken advantage of by certain bottoms, certain subs who who kind of like, who, who went ahead and basically tricked them into thinking that like, oh, but if you're a real dominant, if you're a real like, you know, dame, you know, you, you would be into this, you know, you would do this, this, this and that. Like, you know, they wanted to be topped and, and, and dominated only solely on their own terms, you know, they and then like the, the dominant, like didn't have like the I guess like the education and the background and the support from their community to to know you know to really know better and they kind of just went along with it Mm -hmm. I think that's really where the importance of community comes into play I mean the more you talk to people the more you educate yourself like the the more empowered you'll be and the more you'll be able to recognize you know bad behavior yeah no I agree you know I I am going to also I want to say that not being pushed and bullied into doing something you don't want to do. Okay. Like okay. same as a submissive and as a top, you know, you are not obligated to do anything you're not comfortable with that. You do not want to do that. You do not feel safe doing that. You feel that you might endanger someone else's experience while doing just to please someone else. I'm a person who likes to see people smile and do my best, but also I do like to please people. That's my kink, I guess you could say. People pleaser. So it's important, though, to... I'm not going to do something that I know is unsafe, that I'm not qualified for, you know, just to please someone else in case there's any danger involved with that. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I think so far as, like, negotiation horror stories go, I could mm-hmm. I could give you... I could tell you a couple more. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of, you know, it it is a little embarrassing in a way for me to 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 like bring it bring it to light to talk about it that's why i would want to hear it (laughs) but i mean but i want to do it anyway i want to do it anyway because i just want to go on the record saying do not let anyone fucking photograph you 
you know, mm-hmm. or, 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 or video you, you know, without understanding the implications of having a photograph or a video of you, you know, giving that over to someone else doesn't matter how much you're into the person or not. You know, you know, I, I got into a situation where I didn't negotiate. I didn't know what negotiation was. The guy didn't negotiate with me because he didn't, it was obviously wasn't convenient for him, but I went ahead and I took, I I took videos of myself doing things and I took photos of myself doing certain things, you know, and my, my face was in the shot and all that. And I went ahead and sent those over to him and, you know, I trusted that he was going to keep it private um, I don't know if he did keep it private or not. He told me later on that he deleted all that, but, you know, could have easily gone ahead and showed it to people or posted it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And and I went ahead and did that. And and that that to me was just, you know, I mean, I was I was going through a point where I was I was going through a low point. Like that was a really low point for me. I felt really, really stupid afterwards. Um but yeah, it's it's important for you to have those standards and to have those limits and to and to be able to really talk about what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do because it could come back to bite you later on. Even if you don't necessarily get physically hurt, you know, the emotional implication of it is just so much. It's so much. It can be so traumatizing. Um which is why I say that pick a play you know, it's important for you to realize the implications of, of things like pickup play um, so far as negotiation goes. Um, going back to that, to going back to that topic, um, you really need to keep things light. You really do need to keep things on a conservative on the conservative side. Um, that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you, but I'm also going to disagree with you. I feel like people should just be responsible for the risk they want to take. Right. And not blame other people if something goes wrong. Obviously, if like if you had a bad time, if you negotiated something and then they disregarded that negotiation, did anyway, one hundred percent not okay. Mm-hmm. But like I know a lot of a lot of heavy bottoms who just like to be have a good impact scene, and even if it's with someone new, you know they don't necessarily have to be on the lighter side. Someone who is aware of your capabilities and what you're comfortable with and what you want to do. I would say have as much fun as you want, but also in the end of the day, being a responsible adult and taking responsibility for the actions that you're doing with someone else. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Like we're like, I, I love it when you <laughs> freckles. I love it when you say, I disagree <laughs> with you. I love it when you say that. Cause I feel like, you know, yes, like there's a challenge, uh-huh. Um, but no, like, no, we, we have different perspectives and that's fair. That's totally mm-hmm. fair. Um, like I said already, like I've, I've learned the hard way, you know, about a lot of things. I, you know, they've, they've made me, my mistakes have made me who I am. I feel like I'm becoming a better person every day. You know, I still kind of struggle here and there, but I, I, I've, I've become a better person as a, as a result of like really embracing my kinkiness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's like embracing the shadow self. And, 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 you know, learning about that shadow self and re- reckon, you know, that re- being able to reconcile with the shadow self is very important because you have to recognize that there is kind of like a darkness within you. Everybody has that darkness, that dark side within them mm-hmm. that they have to be able to embrace in order to be whole. So for me, my masochism and my, my enjoyment of play, my enjoyment of kink, you know, that factors into that. Mm-hmm. I I I feel that 
you know, like BDSM is for me. I do know it's not for everyone. Uh, I would say try something twice or have a scene twice, whether it be with one person or another person, before you really say that this is not for you. Because one, I get that a lot of people might have a bad experience and then it turns them off from doing this. But, you know, it's kind of like eating a food you don't like. How do you know you will not like it in a different kind of setting or something different the next time? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there there are people who take advantage of newbies all the time. You know, they take advantage of your, you know, the fact that you're naive, the fact that you're excited. And, you know, every now and then, Freckles, I don't know if you've noticed, like, there will be new people who will come into the community and they'll play around, they'll go to a couple events, and they'll just disappear. Yep. No. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know, it could, and obviously we don't have the answers of why they left. You know, yeah. but I feel like it could be that people had an expectation of what it will be like, and it wasn't quite what they perceived it to be. But as you know, every situation is different. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes, like I said, you know, like I've kind of alluded to before um, in previous like episodes, you know, people are, are, are usually driven by the fantasy of BDSM rather than by the reality of it. They don't realize that this takes a lot of work. There's a lot of work and a lot of communication that goes into this. So people kind of come in and they say like, oh, well, this isn't sexy like my fantasies because the people are just, you know, regular people. You know, we have nine to five jobs. We we live in regular homes. We we're regular people. We're not like billionaires. And I mean, well, some of us are, but we're not billionaires with private jets or anything and right. you know, huge playrooms. So people will kind of be driven by that fantasy and they'll just they'll just discard everything else. So they'll let right. their excitement get ahead of them and, and not really they won't take the time to really like learn and, 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 and realize that, hey, this is these relationships. These relationships take a lot of work. More so right. than vanilla relationships. Right. Like a prime, like for me, like a, not a red flag, but like a, like orange flag, I guess you could say, is if someone only goes to public events that are commercialized and they only go there, it's like, it's like, like down here, we've got two major big events that are commercialized. Yeah. Like a club kind of setting with some yeah. involved people, vanilla people can walk on, they can do it. And those are the only things they go to. And that's right. the only interpretation of what they imagine cake is it's kind of like a club a party and then they don't kind of get into the nitty-gritty of what it could be yeah exactly like they don't they don't they don't like interact with the with like the the bdsm dungeons like they don't they don't come to the bdsm dungeon they don't interact with like con- they don't go to conventions and all i mean people have their reasons i get that i mean mm-hmm. we've we've discussed that before i mean you know people have their reasons for not um not really interacting but i guess i i just i just have trouble really personally and this is just my opinion other people will disagree and they're free to disagree and they're free to debate it and, and talk about it in threads and all that but i if i don't see somebody participating in you know like going to munches going to sloshes um going to the local dungeon going to conventions every now and then uh, by the way, for those of you going to Beyond Leather this year, I hope you guys have a blast. Um, I personally won't be attending. Freckles will, so be sure to say hi to him if you run into him. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I don't see somebody like really being actively engaged in their local community, or at least like popping up to a, a munch every now and then, 
like i i just get weird vibes i just get like i just become skeptical of that person i like you know like what are you could it be that they're not welcome you know at, at certain venues you know something like that something along those lines like i i always question that right i know everyone's got you know their reasoning why they don't want to go you know, I understand it's changed over the years since at least I've been in the lifestyle a lot because of COVID. But I agree. You know, I, I feel that's something important is to if you're really taking it seriously to get to know your local community or at least open up your mind to not just thinking that it's only clubbing, you know, a club kind of scene because it's really not. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of pickup play at those clubs too. I see a lot of like um I see a lot of pickup play at those clubs so far as things like flogging goes and all that and fire play goes and and a lot of the times you I just see somebody just w- walk up to somebody just like, "Oh, I want to be flogged." And then, you know, it'll 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 happen, you know, it'll happen. I don't know if it happens to that to the other person's satisfaction or not, but um they'll they'll do like some flogging or they'll do some fire play. Like I I see a lot of pickup play in club environments. Which is interesting to me. I see it less so in in dungeons. Well, yeah, uh, and in private because... play parties, but yeah, I think it's you know it's also the lack of. I'm not going to say education is the wrong word. The lack of experience, but education within the scene, that a person who goes to a dungeon regularly or goes to education events and goes to munches would regularly know. As I you know, it's kind of like I said earlier. Anyone can walk, anyone can buy a costume and buy a ticket to go to these events. You know, they might not, they might have just seen Fifty Shades of Grey and that's what they assume it's going to be like. You know, so the lack of education, they kind of can uh, step on toes of what we would find is inappropriate or not, you know, uh, that might be somewhat risky. For example, like if you're having a scene with someone and then someone randomly comes up to you and spanks you in the middle of the scene you know that's like a big red flag you know as i know they may not know any better but that's kind of the risk that you're getting if you only go to those kind of events because that's what you're seeing yeah i remember one time we were you know me and well tommy d and i we were at um we were at a party one of those club parties i won't name i won't specify which one but I was laying, I was laying down on the spanking bench, like I was laying back, and and somebody just random, some some girl just randomly wanted to come up to me and pinch my nipple, and I'm like, fuck no, mm-hmm. you know. There's like, there was like, you know. And then I saw like this one guy, he was doing, you know, he he kind of approached this one girl to be like, oh hey, you want me to flog you? And then I saw like during the flogging, he was kind of getting close to her to her pussy area, like he was like. Mm-hmm he was like flogging her pussy and 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 like you know like getting all close and I'm like did he even like talk to her about that was that even something that was you know agreed to and and you know this this those places can be a little sketchy at times I mean they're fun they can be a lot of fun you know it's fun for dress up and all that but so far as like pick up play goes and you know they can be a little sketchy at times right no totally agree yeah, definitely. So guys, negotiation is an imperative. It's something that you need to learn about. It's something that you need to do. It's something that you need to constantly, you know, inform yourself about. Right. And also, guys, we're not like not, not like knocking these events. They really are fun and enjoyable events. I would say just mm-hmm. be careful about what you're doing there. 
and really go with a grain of salt because do not expect that everyone will respect your boundaries and be consensual with what you're doing. Right. And, and a lot of those events don't have dungeon monitors anyway. So it's even more important to be, to be exercise caution. Um, that's right. another point of, that's another point that I wanted to make. Um, if you're playing with somebody new, if you're, if you're doing pickup play, you might want to go ahead and tell the dungeon monitor if there is one um, that you will be doing pick uh, pickup play scenes just so that they can keep an eye on you guys while you play. Um, that way, if they see anything that looks sketchy or, or that, you know, they'll be able to go ahead and, and intervene. Right. I, I know our topic today is mostly on negotiations and pickup play. I do think it's important to understand that a partner can have things they don't negotiate with and things that they're not agreeable with when it comes to negotiations. And it's okay for people to have those things they don't like. Like if you don't like something Connolly. And Tommy D likes something, or right. or you like something, but mm-hmm. Tommy D doesn't like it. It's okay to have those things and figure it out, you know, because it's a, it's okay to have those things and to discuss those things as long as everyone is being consensual, and it's okay to push limits if it's already negotiated and discussed. Absolutely. So, moral of the story for today is talk. <laughs> Definitely talk. Yes. Definitely communicate and be vocal and. And be vigilant. Right. All right, guys. So I think that was a really great conversation that we had, Freckles. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to our next one. We are going to be interviewing the Prurient. He is a photographer, rigger, sadist, and daddy dom. And he is going to be talking to us about his views on rope and the rope community as a whole. So stay tuned for next time, folks. Cannot wait. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.